What's up, Cougar Nation? Welcome again aboard the BYU Hype Train Podcast. This is your host, Joe Wheat. That's at Joe Wheat 27 on Twitter. Joined always, uh, joined as always with my boys, uh, Trevor Levitt, T-Lev Y-Fan, and uh, Hunter Miller, who is not gracing us with his uh, his face today. Is uh, His background right now is the Boston Red Sox logo. Um, <laughs> as someone didn't tell him that baseball season ended about... Uh, Four weeks ago, and the Astro and the the Red Sox were bounced by the Astros again. Look, I don't know why you have to bring up hurtful things. Just because, <laughs> because my camera's broken. <laughs> Be- no, no, no. The reason the reason I brought it up is because something else that will come up later in the show. And so, if you get to take a dig at me for for uh, for what for something that happened on Twitter today, I get to take right. a dig at you for this. <laughs> I can't control how the Red Sox season ended. You can control what we will inevitably talk about later in this podcast. Like <laughs> that is the like that is a cheap shot. So, <laughs> it coming from an Angels fan of all people. I know. I know. Why don't I you, know why don't you sniff the playoffs before you come at us for losing the ALCS? Yeah. No. 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 Um, for the for the record, by for those of you who don't know, uh, the Angels have more MVPs since 2014 than playoff wins uh they have four mvps mike trout won three and now shohei otani is the mlb mvp uh for the 21-21 season and they have zero playoff wins since 2014 so uh that's awesome they have to have more since 2009 really 2009 was the last time they were in the playoffs. I think they won like two games. No, no, I, th- I think you're right. So, like, if if you want to know what it's like to to be an Angels fan, uh, where you're giving about 500 million dollars to uh, uh, Albert Pujols and Josh Hamilton, and now you're signing Noah Syndergaard, who hasn't pitched a, an <laughs> inning for like three years, a guy uh, who hasn't pitched in two years is your best pitcher. No, it, it was it was so bad they used every single draft pick on a pitcher this year. Like they didn't, they didn't draft one. I mean, there's obviously there's nine positions on a baseball team. They, they, they it was exclusively pitchers. So, which is what, which is what the angels need, mind you. But uh, this is not an angels podcast. This is a BYU, uh, BYU podcast. We didn't forget that. Um, but the first thing we're going to talk about is it, it's Thanksgiving boys. Uh, I, I, what are you grateful for? Um, to be honest, I am just grateful for BYU winning. I think just this entire football season has been something that was something I didn't expect, to be frank. Uh, knew that there would be some rebuild. Uh, we were going to have a bunch of question marks with how Jaron was going to play. Uh, knew that Tyler Algier would be good, but I don't know if we anticipated him being this good with a new revamped schedule uh, as opposed to last year. Um, but they've been incredible. Uh, grateful for their season and obviously grateful for my family. I'm uh, going to be spending some time with some of my family up in Southern California this uh, weekend at SC. So grateful for BYU football and the people that I get closer to because of BYU football. And that's my family. So I am grateful for the uh, sustenance that the Georgia state fans provided the BYU football team over the weekend. <laughs> Um, hopefully they prayed over it first and nourish and strengthen those bodies. Um, I'm also grateful that we've been able to witness Utah fans becoming BYU fans in real time on Twitter this past couple of months. It's been awesome to see. 
it it has been incredible to for you to, to just watch how Utah fans look down on us for twelve years, only to become us in two months. <laughs> twelve seconds. Here's it, the secret, though. They've been us the whole time. That, that I mean, that's true. But like, okay, here's the thing: Utah fans couldn't spell FPI or QBR until this year all of a sudden it, it it works for them that utah has a good fbi and their quarterback has a top 10 qbr and now all of a sudden it's the most important stat in the world even though <laughs> these were the analytics that i was throwing out last year to prove that hey byu is really 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 good like they're yeah. top 10 in SP plus they're top 15 in fpi zach wilson has the highest uh pff grade ever uh his p or his qbr is like like almost 90 per, like it's he's 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 a top five quarterback in that and they're like oh no but the schedule but the schedule but the schedule and now this year cam rising uh is is competent and now they're calling him a top five quarterback in the country well look when you're playing high school teams like utah has since they started <laughs> conference play those are the kind of numbers that you put up yeah no I, I got flamed for this uh i got flamed for this earlier today a little bit but I said that uh, Utah's schedule has gotten easier uh, since since they played uh, BYU, and, BYU and, and San Diego. Uh, yeah, BYU and San Diego State. I like the first two, three weeks of the season. You play two eventual top twenty teams, and you didn't play a ranked team again for another like nine weeks. Like, yes, your schedule got easier, but. Anyways, not a Utah podcast. I digress, but I will. <laughs> I will take. I will take any shot to 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 trash the Utes whenever I can because That's... I love them, and because I love them, I must chasten them as, as uh, the scriptures <laughs> demand. I must. This is probably a new record by the quickest I got us off track. Um, <laughs> <laughs> took one answer. You, listen, you, you listeners don't mind, right? No, they love it. I mean, any any subtle dig at Utah's. I'm, I'm sure you know we play the hits here on the BYU Hyper <laughs> Podcast. Didn't yeah, we? yeah. Again, you're you're here for yeah. the hard hitting analysis, the having it thrown out the window, and the Utah smack talk. So, exactly. um, I, I I appreciate that. Uh, I hope neither of your wives listen to the podcast because uh, I, I appreciate that the first things your mind went to with gratitude was uh, was BYU sports. <laughs> um, My wife knows I have a podcast. <laughs> Um, so I am going to take the politically correct route and the correct route and say I'm most grateful for uh, my girlfriend who is who's wonderful and my wonderful family and all those great things. Um, you just say that because she took you to the BYU store today. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Uh, what was the damage? Uh, What'd you get? We all, uh, we've been dying to hear it ever since you t- tweeted probably, about it. So. Probably more than I should, but... Um, so here, here's the problem. I walked in and I saw like one of the sideline polos that the coaches wear and I saw it was 50% off. And so got, I'm like, they got deals, huh? Well, at least on this one. Cause I guess there was something wrong with it. Oh, um, gotcha. but so I tried it on and it fit and I'm like, okay, like I'm going to get this. And then I like, I'm looking around the store a little more. And there was another polo that I liked more that wasn't on sale, but I'm like, well, it's only 20 bucks more. I might as well. So that's how they get you is they, they, they give you a deal and then they think the they make you think the incremental cost isn't that much higher. So, <laughs> um, I got a polo, I got a birthday gift for my nephew and, uh, game worn jerseys are actually only 40 bucks. So, uh, which is like half of what they were. So half off. Yeah. So, uh, I got one, uh, 27, I got a 27 Jersey. There you um, go. 
which is which is my number, as you guys all know. Um, so uh, that that'll be replacing the uh, the number eleven jersey behind me here pretty soon. But um, well, I got Riley Nelson's jersey above my computer right now. So and what I believe to be Mitch Matthews jersey on the other wall. Yeah, I'm just I'm just pretending that this eleven jersey it's not, but I'm just pretending it was Zach Wilson's freshman year jersey. Uh, <laughs> It's and, does, it does not have the QB sleeves or anything like that. No, no. And then, then the uh, number one jersey I won like three years ago. I'm pretending that uh, was a Zach Wilson jersey as well, even though he wasn't actually on the team yet. So Ross Oppel, maybe? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I think I think it's actually Terrence Houck. But um, anyways, we are, we are all off the track. <laughs> uh, but the good news, BYU isn't. Um, but uh, – but, uh, to keep going with the with the Thanksgiving theme, um, so this is our uh, this is the only show that uh, we're gonna have this week because of the Thanksgiving holiday. So uh, we're we're gonna try and give you uh, a little bit of bang for your buck. We're gonna cover a lot today, um, but uh, Hunter, what's the most what's the uh, what's the food you're most excited of uh, to get to have this weekend? Top three. Look, I said this on. Twitter, and I think most people agree, and this is why I put this in the uh, um, in the rundown this week was because I wanted to talk about it about how overrated Thanksgiving food is and how genuinely none of it is really that good. Uh, you can get you can you know there's the somewhat non traditional Thanksgiving foods that that slap on the occasion, which is like the mac and cheeses, right? Like it can be very very good. Um, my mom makes a killer uh, sweet potato casserole with, you know, some brown sugar and some coconut and things like that. Delicious. Uh, as far as your turkey and your stuffing, your cranberry sauce, mashed potatoes, you know, they are what they are. I don't think they're that great, but they're just, you know, they're there. Um, just not that good. And, you know, this is coming from a son in a family that gave up on Thanksgiving oh, probably about a decade plus ago uh, after one let's say less than ideal Thanksgiving. Um, my mom vowed to never spend her holiday cooking a turkey in the oven for six hours ever again. <laughs> and so then we started going to Chakarama and that has since um, blossomed into going to Maggleby's, I believe it is. I don't know when they're the first, the first time last year, but uh, we go to St. George every Thanksgiving. My parents have a place down there. So uh, we do not partake in the tra traditional Thanksgiving foods, but I'll probably say I think Maggleby's has a delightful shrimp platter um, down there. So I'll go with shrimp as my number one. Uh, I'll go with the mac and cheese as number two. And, you know, a nice piece of chocolate cake for dessert. Number three. Top three Thanksgiving okay. foods. Hunter, Hunter, you can't, you can't, you can't sit here and slander the the second best holiday in the world by saying the food sucks. I said nothing about the say, of July. And, and then you, then you immediately talk about how your three best Thanksgiving uh, foods are shrimp, Delicious. mac and cheese, and chocolate cake. Yes, you can't do that. Fantastic. No, no, I, I will not allow it. This guy. I think voided all food opinions when he admitted that he and his family went to Chuckarama for holiday food. I mean, come on, man. Blasphemous. It was delicious. <laughs> terrible. Look, if you want to look me in the eye and tell me that you don't want to eat all you can eat Chuckarama scones on the third Thursday in the month of November, then you can do that. 
Look, I don't think it's possible, but you can try. You, you don't have eyes, so I I will look at. Look right in the socks. Right in the socks. <laughs> I right do those red around. those red socks and tell you that I would do not want all I can eat from up Chuckarama. You want your dried out turkey and your cranberry paste and your breadcrumbs. Okay. Crumbs, okay. Your soggy croutons. Okay. I'll tell you what I want. I've got my top three. I'll take either my mom's or my mother in law's homemade stuffing. Incredible. You put the gravy on there. It's amazing. Uh, my father-in-law smokes a turkey, white or dark. It's amazing. And then my mom makes a chocolate pie that is delicious. Those are my top three. Hunter, and made with love, I might add. Hunter, this case. is just... Maybe that was the is a... ingredient of my Thanksgiving <laughs> feast. <laughs> Hunter, no, I was, I was going to say, Hunter, this is just a really weird way to confess before the world that your parents can't cook. No, my mom is a, my mom is a fantastic cook. Her, I think, where it all went awry was on a Thanksgiving in which she and my aunt spent like eight hours trying to cook the turkey, while we all went like four wheeling in the mountains, like all the guys, yeah. and like cousins, and then she was like, "Why do I have to spend my Thanksgiving in the kitchen and you guys are relaxing and having fun?" That's, Enough that's of this. That's very fair. Is what she that's said. That's very fair. Husbands, I know it's football season. I know there is football on Thanksgiving, but I don't know if we can call the Lions the football, but that's that's also yeah. There's no there's no good football. Just let your for once let your wife watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and you cook the turkey for a change, or go uh, to Chuckarama. Because yeah, that's, that's win win for everyone. Um, I will say says, I love you like Chuckarama. Like <laughs> <laughs> the choice is yours at Chuckarama, Trevor. <laughs> You can have whatever you'd like. Are, are we sponsored? Uh, Go yeah, free ads. <laughs> yeah. Contrary to popular belief, we are not sponsored by Checkerama. Um, but uh, no, I, I will say Turkey has always been a favorite. I, I know that sometimes it could come out a little dry, but earlier this week we had our friends giving um, and it was my girlfriend made the Turkey and it was the best Turkey I've ever had. Like, I'm not saying that to be politically correct. She killed it. It was like perfect. Uh, I don't want to use the word moist, but that's the only one I can. Uh, it was like perfectly moist. The gravy was delicious. We made mashed potatoes and uh, the the sweet potato casserole with the marshmallows and the brown sugar on top. Homemade cranberry sauce, not the not the paste that you get out of the can. Um, that was all delicious. So uh, those those are those are my favorites. Uh, and the apple pie and ice cream are by far my is by far one of my favorite desserts. So. Um, we will be hearing no more Thanksgiving slander, uh, on this podcast because Thanksgiving rules. Okay, fine. We'll put out a poll. Anyways, uh, BYU had a fantastic weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll get to more of the, the details on that later in the show. Um, but, uh, just, just a, a quick rundown. Um, but before, like, before we get to the, to the big news of, of the weekend, some news came out today that really broke my heart. Um, we've all of you who know me know how deeply I feel about this topic. It's one that's near and dear to my heart. It's one I've thought about since I was a little kid. Um, it's one. It's one that was teased earlier in the week that uh, the 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 BYU uh, administration, uh, the people who make these decisions, were actually behind it. Um, but 
the Kalani uniform combo may never happen. And it breaks my heart. Billy Nixon Beautiful all day. week. Billy Nixon all week has been teasing uh, you know, different different things of like, hey, do you think this like do you think this combo would look good? Look how good it looked in practice. Like here, here's a vision of what it would look like uh against with, with the old miss uniforms. Drop your drop your concepts in the comments. And then Malik Moore comes in from the top rope and just says who I always say is the most honest and in level headed of all the players. Yeah, you got you got to be to be a good safety. So, Do you, what what did he say, Hunter? You want to take this over? Uh, the always factually correct Malik Moore, who's never <laughs> been wrong in his entire life. Um, some may say the most the most accurate and honest player that to ever wear a BYU football uniform said, "Please stop with the Royal Navy combo. Y'all can't be for real." With two laughing emojis. So just a whole bucket of cold water. On Joe and uh, Jason's ever-growing Kalani uniform combination hype train. He he, he, inter- he intercepted end. their dreams, if you will. You can't yes. you can't see me right now, but I am currently in my uh, my navy blue BYU jersey that I just bought today, and my royal blue helmet that I got at the Cougar sale this earlier earlier this year, the the white and royal one, and I am just crying. Uh, I, I will be wearing it to bed tonight. I, I will die on this hill that when Kalani Satake makes the college football or makes the Polynesian Hall of Fame, which he's on the ballot to do, BYU has to. It is their moral obligation to pull out the Kalani combo with the All-Navy Unis and the Royal Helmet. I will die on this hill. Joseph. I think- Joseph. <laughs> we, we, we kid on this podcast a lot. I think I think everyone who listens and the, to our loyal subscribers, shout out to the subscribers. They they know that we like to have fun here. We throw out we throw, we say some crazy things, but in your heart of hearts, hand on the Book of Mormon, right hand raised to the square. You're not you 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 don't seriously think that the Kalani uniform concept is a good one. Do do you? Like I, I know I. Trust me, I know we kid, we kid, we joke. We have lots of fun on this podcast. This is a, this is a train that loves to have fun. We we this train is down to clown. <laughs> but the clown uniforms are not good looking. Look 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 at the socks emblem, like Trevor did. <laughs> And tell it that's too much the, red for me. That the that the Kalani <laughs> uniform concept actually looks good. I need to see it. We've seen it. We've seen <laughs> so many mock-ups. It looks so bad. <laughs> you know, it didn't look bad until a Utah fan pointed it out, and then I was like, okay, that doesn't look great. I still hold that like if it's like the whatever whatever was being thrown out with like the royal jersey navy pants navy helmet i think that looks horrible i uh, i think that if you went with the all navy with the royal top like we saw at practice earlier this week i think you could pull it off but uh, that is that if, is all i will say on the issue if 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 it ever happens you have to do white pants Okay, I'll you concede the point. Yeah, like an old miss. Yeah, like an old miss look. But, yeah. Okay, I'll concede that. I'll concede that. Here's my biggest pet peeve when it comes to this. 
Like, if you want to go out and be like, oh, we should do the Kalani. Here's a funny mock-up that I made. Like, so be it. But the people, like, the number one thing that gets on my nerves is when people try to compare it to the North Carolina uniforms as if royal blue was remotely close to the same shade as, like, the Carolina blue. Because, like, people will be like, oh, it works with Carolina. Like, look how cool North Carolina's uniforms are when they mix and match the Carolina blue with the dark, you know, Tar Heel navy blue. And granted, like, they have some uniforms with that combination that do look good. But Carolina blue and royal blue are not remotely similar. Yeah, Carolina blue is, like, closer to, like, a powder blue. Yeah, like, closer to what Ole Miss wore. Yeah. And even Ole Miss's uniforms did not look good. Yeah, I I don't know. It it won't break my heart if we never. <laughs> I just need it because I had texted you a couple of times asking you this, and you ducked yeah, and the I, question and I, every yeah, time. Yeah, I, pur- I purposely don't answer. Yeah, that's 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 uh, that's on so, purpose. Yeah, uh, so here I had you cornered, where I could ask you, and there was no getting around the question. <laughs> I no, was going to ask I, you I last week, it, but I was sick. I I think it can work. I think it honestly it looks really good on BYU's baseball uniforms. Um, there's, there's a couple elements of it on there that I really like. I mean, when I, when I pull up to BYU games, I wear Navy pants and a Royal top, like that. I don't think that looks bad, but, uh, Navy pants, like actual Navy pants or like blue jeans, like Lululemon. Sorry for the flex. Uh, <laughs> oh, fancy guy. Too good for Wrangler. Uh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> whatever okay uh yeah so I, i'm sitting here i'm crying that was what we were referring to at the beginning of the show uh so now uh now we are all square hunter are, are we are we good to move on to uh to the game this week let's get actual byu talk okay so actually you BYU haven't turned out by now <laughs> yeah this this is the show where we realize who our loyal listeners are uh <laughs> but um no, I so okay. So BYU played uh, Georgia Southern over the weekend. Um, <sighs> ugly. <laughs> That's all I got to say about it. Uh, what wasn't the prettiest of games? Uh, obviously, BYU ends up with the the seventeen point win. Um, I don't know. It like I kind of left feeling like BYU honestly took care of business. Like I, I look back at the the numbers. It, it was for me, the entire game was that gif of Alonzo morning sitting on the bench and he looks really disappointed. And he just kind of goes, well, like, just kind of like, okay, I guess that worked like that. That's kind of how the game felt for me. Um, What did you guys think? I mean, my thoughts were after this game, the same as they were after the USF game where it was, well, thank goodness that BYU was playing Georgia Southern because if they had played the way they played against Georgia Southern, you know, against one of BYU's other opponents that were on the schedule this season, they probably would have, we'd be talking about a loss right now. Like the music preceding this intro of the podcast would have been um, the somber, sad music that we've unfortunately had to play twice this season. Like they played good enough to win because of who they were playing. And they didn't, they didn't, they weren't exceptional in any areas for the most part. I know defensively they, they held Georgia Southern without any points. Um, But, you know, it, it was just a game where pretty much in every, you know, aspect and every phase of the game, you were left wanting and you wanted them just, you know, to be that much better. Right. Because this was a game that BYU needed to impress 
in order to be able to continue making that final push for a New Year's Six Bowl game. And unfortunately, in the box score and, and on the field of play, they didn't really impress. And I know the game was never really in doubt. Like, I never thought, well, BYU could lose this game. But it was just one of those games where it's like, I've, it, you're just frustrated because you, BYU needed to win this game by, you know, 30 points um, so that the committee, after they inevitably don't watch, will just look at the final score and see, oh, yeah, BYU dominated. They scored, you know, 50 points and they had 500 yards of offense. Cool. We'll move them up a couple spots because teams in front of them lost. Right. So, yeah, I, I think this that's kind of where you and I disagree a little bit on this because, like, I mean, I'm going to run down the numbers for you. Um, BYU was uh, five. It looks like they were five of 13 on. Uh, they were five of 13 on like third and fourth downs to Georgia Southern's four for 10. They had 25 first downs to Georgia Southern's 19, 507 total yards to Georgia Southern's 268, uh, 312 passing yards to 122, uh, 195 rushing yards to 146 against a triple option team. Yeah. Um, five yards of carry to four yards of carry. Uh, penalties were a little bit all over the place. Two turnovers uh, for Georgia Southern, none for BYU. And BYU uh, won the time of possession 31 to 29. So, like, I mean, running that down, that looks like domination to me. Like, that that's wasn't very as dominant similar. as it should have been. Right on the scoreboard, but I like those those numbers were very similar to what BYU put up against Idaho State uh, at the end of the day. Like as far as like the, the 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 part of the game that was disappointing for me was more the offense. I don't know if you guys agree with this. Like there was a lot of frustration with the defense, and maybe rightfully so. But like this is ultimately the same defense BYU has had all year, um, where it's just like it's one bad quarter. Like BYU had one bad quarter in the second quarter again. Like, and and it really was one bad drive, because right. Georgia and, Southern, you know, had a short field after BYU turned it over on fourth, and then the other one was a field goal. Right, and so like, but at the end of the day, you look at the numbers and you think, wow, the defense actually like from a numbers perspective, they, like, I don't know what else you you want them to do. Like they held Georgia Southern under 300 yards. 17 points isn't ideal, but the offense didn't exactly set them up great for that. But like this is similar to what BYU's done all year. Like there are seven. There have been of the eleven games BYU has played. There's been seven of them where BYU's given up more points in one quarter than the rest of the game combined. Like it really just comes down to, for this defense, whatever it is, it's just one bad quarter. And so I I, I don't know how much of that is just like the the other coaching staff like figuring out the defense for that one quarter and then Tuiaki makes the necessary adjustments. But I, like I don't know I. To be honest, like granted, like given that BYU was missing their best D linemen, two best linebackers, two best corners, and their best safety, like I'm okay with how the defense turned out. What do you guys think? Well, I think it's important to note that at least according to Vegas, like the spread was 20. And so to beat them by 17, it's not, you know, it's not like we missed it by a country mile. Um, and I think the other thing that as I've moved further and further away from Saturday, um that's really hit me and I was thinking a lot about it today is this is a game that two years ago we probably lose uh this is this is the USF game two years ago um and we don't and through you know we have that terrible second quarter um but I mean Tuiaki and the defense pitch a second half shutout the offense does what it needs to to 
to finish and um uh, joe it looks like you've got something you want to say. yeah no it, it like thank you for bringing that because it is scary how much this game was like usf in 2019 like as as frustrating as this the outcome of this game was and i'm sorry if i'm being hyperbolic i feel like it's almost a sign of how um how far the program has come in just two short years because right. like tell me if any of this sounds familiar you're coming off a bye week you're playing on espn plus uh, you're playing against a freshman quarterback against a very run heavy group of five team that's sub 500. Um, you're traveling across the country. Uh, like all of the things were pretty much identical to what BYU faced against USF. And like, they just wouldn't go away. But this version of the BYU football team, like we've seen all year, they found a way to close. Like the, the, the game was ugly, but everybody except Georgia this season has had ugly wins the good ones just figure out how to finish. And BYU not only learned how to finish and win close, but like at the end of the day, like 17 points, that is, I mean, like like Trevor said, the, the spread was 20 and we all know God is never going to let BYU cover a spread <laughs> ever. Um, that BYU will take a knee to prevent covering the spread just so that to remind BYU fans that gambling is wrong. Um, but like at the end of the day, like to me, it's it feels like, this is actually a sign of how far the program has come that I don't necessarily think this program is like any more talented than it was in 2019. Like we forget how painfully close those 2018 and 2019 teams were to winning 10 games in each of those seasons. There were three separate games where BYU either had a lead or had a chance to win the game in the fourth quarter. And they just couldn't close like 2018. You had Utah Boise and uh, Cal, I think was the other one or yeah, it was Cal. Um, 2019, you had, uh, NIU Toledo and South Florida where like, if BYU wins those three games, we're talking about BYU having four straight 10 win seasons under Kalani Satake. Like that is how painfully close BYU has been to being a perennial top 25 team. And so the fact that this BYU learned how to close to me, that's a huge positive, um, to that, that we, I think that we can take away from this game that BYU learned how to win ugly. Well, and I think a big part of that too is that th there's identity there, right? This this is a team that knows that they can close now, which back in 2019 was a huge question mark of, of who do you go to, who's going to make the big plays. And I think having guys like Puka and Samson uh, with that attitude of, of fight, I think a perfect example of, of what this team has been really this entire season and, and some people listening to this might not have, have loved it at the time but when Samson gets pushed over by I believe it was number 45 as a middle linebacker for for Georgia Southern and Puka immediately comes in and pushes him back and then like two or three plays goes and catches a touchdown that kind of puts the game away that's that's who BYU is now like they they get punched you know in this case almost literally um, but they counterpunch and and they finish things and and that as Joe mentioned is a sign of maturity. Uh, it's a sign of positive leadership not only within the players but also within the coaching staff and it, and it's progress and it's progress that you want to see moving into the big 12 in, in two years. I guess I'm just am I just undervaluing Georgia Southern because I, I... This never should have, I don't think you can cast Georgia Southern in the same 
you know, in the same league, in the same stratosphere as USF in 2019. I, I USF's think USF's a better program and a better team than Georgia Southern. I, 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 to be honest, I think you can because that USF team went four and eight. Like this is, this is a three-win team in the Sun Belt, though. I know. But like this is I, this is closer to like the Fresno State, UMass, Eastern Carolina teams that BYU lost to in 2017 than the than the USF team in 2019 was. I think I don't think you're undervaluing undervaluing uh, Georgia Southern. I think you're overvaluing USF. Just in my personal opinion. Um, I mean, I haven't done like a deep dive into like how those teams ended up, but like that, that South Florida team was not good. Um, but like, better, like they're better than a three win Sunbelt team. Like I just, like obviously this is not all hypothetical, but I feel like that 2019 USF team would probably beat this 2021 Georgia Southern team by two touchdowns. Like on, let me. Is, I'm, like, I'm. I'm. I'm trying to pull up the, pulling up the S and P Plus rankings. Uh, South Florida was. Command F. <laughs> no, some, finish. Finish your thought, Hunter. Sorry about that. I was just gonna like, again, like you bring up the stats and like statistically, when you look at it, yes, BYU thoroughly outplayed them, and that's what I was saying when. You know, BYU, the game was never really in doubt. Like, there was never any part of me that thought, oh, BYU might lose this game because they were outplaying them in every phase. But I just think that when you, you know, and really it's the scoreboard, and ultimately scoreboard is what matters most, is that BYU should have beaten them by more than 17. BYU should have scored more than 34. I I agree with you, Joe. The defense wasn't necessarily a problem. Like, I think if you told every BYU fan – going into the week that hey BYU defense is going to give up 17 are you cool with that like most people would have been would have said yeah because they would have expected the BYU offense to be putting up you know 40 close to 50 points uh, especially with all the weapons they have and the fact that this is just not a good Georgia Southern team and, and so I agree with you it was the offense that was most disappointing right it was it was the weird fourth down play call it was you know not being as as effective as they could have been, it seemed like they were they had two plays in the playbook: either a run to Tyler Algier or a or a forty yard pass down one of the sidelines. I don't <laughs> see them using the middle of the field hardly at all. Uh, it was kind of either home run shots or let's hand the ball off to Tyler Algier. But I, I just think you know, and we can talk about kneeling it down at the end of the game. I think a final score of forty one to seventeen is a you know a heck of a lot more impressive than a final score of thirty four to seventeen. Like, I know it's only a touchdown difference, but, you know, visually and for the committee and for people who weren't actually watching the game, you know, I think anytime you can break that 40-point threshold, that's significantly more impressive than where BYU was sitting at with, with 34. Um, so, I, you know, I, don't, I said on Twitter, I don't like the idea of kneeling it out. I thought, you know, BYU is in a position where they are desperate for every style point that they can get at this point because they're chasing something that hasn't been done at BYU in you know, what is it, 25 years really since the 96 uh, Cotton Bowl to go to one of these prestigious bowl games. Uh, it's a chance at history. And, you know, BYU's got to gotta get put up every point they can and be as impressive as they can in that final box score. And I know that's not the Kalani Sataki way, and he, he'd rather, 
you know, be a, a good sport than to then and try to impress Gary Barda and the rest of those committee clowns. But uh, I don't know. I just yeah, <laughs> in my no, head, I, forty-one sounds a lot better than thirty-four. No, I, I definitely hear you. Um, and not not to split hairs, uh, but I looked it up, so I have to share it. Uh, USF in twenty nineteen was one hundred third in SMP plus, and Georgia Southern is one hundred fourteenth. So I mean, significantly yeah, better. Yeah, significantly. <laughs> a whole nine. 11, 11 points better. <laughs> no, it was actually five. Anyways. Uh, no, I, I, I hear you. Um, and I agree that obviously 41, 17 looks a lot better. Um, but, I, and, and I was also frustrated that Kalani took the knee, um, especially after, uh, Joe Tukwaf, whose helmet got ripped off and burritos were being thrown at, uh, the BYU bench. Like it, it would have felt really good to, to punch one more in. But at the end of the day, like you should have punched one in earlier and BYU couldn't do it. It was the same problems that was plugging the BYU offense early in the season where like they couldn't finish within the 40. Yeah, um, I mean, you had the, two old right field goals, right? Yeah. You, I think you had um, the, the defense only had three, like what I would consider two unsuccessful drives, drives that end in touchdowns. Um, and the offense, uh, had, I think it was four out of 10 unsuccessful drives. So, and like that drives that don't end in points. And I would add that like any drive that stalls inside the 40, um, is unsuccessful and BYU had three more of those. So like the, the BYU offense struggled and that the same things that we saw earlier in the year. And that's concerning for me. Um, I, I didn't think Jaron Hall had his best stuff. I think ultimately that's the, that was kind of the difference in, in the game for me was I thought Jaron kind of struggled, especially on a lot of those deep balls. Um, we've, we've talked a lot about how like the underthrown deep balls can actually be a good thing, but like it, these, these deep balls weren't underthrown. They weren't on target. And so like they were five yards outside or whatever. So I think that was what was most concerning to me. But what, what did you think, Trevor? No, I, I agree. And Hunter mentioned it earlier, just some of the weird play calling, especially on third and short and and really on fourth and short where you have, I, I don't know, like, you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to say names, but I find it odd that there have been a couple of times this year where, Tyler Algier has been in the running for the Doak Walker award, or he's like a quarter finalist for the Doak Walker award. And then we find out like last week that he's a semifinalist for the Doak Walker award. And then we don't give him the ball. Uh, I just like the country is saying that he is one of the best running backs that college football has. And on third and two and on fourth and two, we don't want to use him. Like I know that, Everybody else on Georgia Southern is aware that he is good. And I'm sure that in practice, they try to plan for him and you're, and you're worried that you're playing right into their game plan. The problem is, is they don't have any, like there are not enough teams in the country that have enough guys that can really effectively game plan against Tyler Algier. He, he is a dope Walker semifinalist because he is better than these defenses he's going up against consistently. And so right. I, I just think the, the play calling, we get a little too cute at times. I think those drives continue if we just hand the ball off and and they end in points and we don't end up having these discussions on the podcast. Yeah. 
No, I and and the thing is, is like defense can't scheme for him because you can't scheme for him dragging four people for a ten yard. No, game. like there, there's that there's that one play earlier in uh, kind of earlier in the game where he was stopped at the line of scrimmage by three separate dudes, um, and picked up ten more yards after that contact. Like it was it was a bonkers run, and like uh, that, I mean again, it's just like it's one of those frustrating games from the BYU offense where like they put up five hundred yards. And they scored 37 points. Like you gotta, the, the again the play calling of why are we running a double reverse pass? Like I get it that the the play call was good because um, Mason Wake was wide the freak open and probably scores a touchdown if if Jaron Hall can get it to him on that play. It, but it was like the same thing against Coastal Carolina where it's fourth and one and you're running you're running through Coastal Carolina and you throw a deep ball a reversed. You throw a flea flicker to. Uh, Gunnar Romney and he drops it. Like there's too many things that can go wrong in that scenario to make that play call. Run it on second down. I was going to say that would have been the perfect play call on like second and eight. Yeah. Like go run it on fourth and two. There's too much on the line. There's too much that can go wrong. Yeah. I don't know. But but at the the end of the day, I don't think this is going to have the same impact I think we're going to see at the end of the day that it's going to have the same impact on BYU as the USF game did. We're like, you feel dirty coming out of it. But like at the end of the day, the, the committee, I give them a little bit more credit than to uh, like, just look at the final score and not actually look at the, the box score. I don't give them much that more is a lot of, that. that is a lot of credit. <laughs> I, I don't give them much more credit than that, but I think they look at the box score and like these are, these BYU, are, BYU dominated. Like I got my hot take that uh, they were going to outgain Georgia Southern by 200 yards. Like that, I mean, at the end of the day, like it was dominant. BYU just took a knee at the end of the game that kept it from becoming more dominant. I would love for you to be right, but these are the same people that ranked Michigan ahead of Michigan State a week after Michigan State beat Michigan. Yeah. So so let's but, but let's talk about that. So like in the CFP rankings, I still think a New Year's Six is on the table. Uh, we'll see. But, uh, like, what what do you guys think is going to happen this week on the on the rankings? I mean, you know, there was a significant amount of teams that lost ahead of BYU, right? Yeah. Yes. So you have Wake Forest lost, who was ranked tenth. You had Michigan so State. So BYU should jump pummeled. them. You got Michigan State, who got pummeled uh, by Ohio State, and they were ranked seventh. Um, so now they have the same record as BYU. Um, and then Oregon got curb stomped by Utah, who BYU beat. So, in, in like to be honest, I think the most in, the most important thing that happened for BYU on Saturday, besides winning, was that Utah not only beat Oregon but like curb stomped them. Like they exposed Oregon for the frauds that they were. And like congratulations Utah for beating a top three team, but like we all knew that wasn't a top three team, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, they lost to Stanford. I mean, give me a break. Like, if like, Gary Barta wants to sit up there and say, "Sure, Cincinnati beat Notre Dame, but who else have they beat?" Like, that's a that is. There's not a team that those words would ring truer for than Oregon, because sure they beat Ohio State, but other than that, it's been nothing. A loss to Stanford and beating up on a bunch of lowly Pac-12 teams. Almost lost yeah, to Cal. Almost lost to Cal. Struggled Almost to beat to UCLA. <laughs> struggle to beat Arizona. Like this is, this is a theme for Oregon all year long. We're like, for whatever reason. And like Trevor, you, you looked at the stats more carefully than I did, but like that, even that game against Ohio state, 
that felt very fluky looking through that box score. It is uh, okay. Hold on, let me pull this up again um, because it is one of the weirdest things yeah. that I have seen in a long time. So while you do that, um, I kind of want to explain how I, at least I think the college football playoff rankings should work. I think that obviously head to head has to matter. And that the, the question that the committee should be asking isn't who is the best team right now. It's who is the best team all season long. And so the, the resume has to matter. Like the, the, the entire body of work, the things that happened to you week one need to matter just as much as the things that happened to you in week nine. So like head to head has to matter as long as this, the record, the, the team who won the game has as many or fewer losses. So it's like a in combination of best and most deserving. Yeah. So like Oregon, for example, they were over, they were ranked above Ohio state because obviously they beat Ohio state, but they also had the same number of losses, if that makes sense. So yeah. now that and a worse Oregon, loss. yeah. And so now that Oregon has more losses than Ohio state, now the committee can say, can reasonably say, yeah, now we can rank Ohio state above Oregon. Unless you're um, Michigan, Michigan state. That I don't understand that at all. And quite honestly, that terrifies me for what they're going to do with Utah. Um, cause obviously like, I don't think Utah can jump from 23 to like 12. I think like they'll jump they should, probably yeah. to like somewhere between like 18 to 15. Yeah. So the way, the way I have it mapped out right now is like Utah should be retired than Oregon. I get that the Utah has more losses, but like Utah just beat Oregon by 30 points. So, um, I think that has to, to matter a little bit, but like go to go back to like how I think it should stack up is like, obviously you have Georgia, Bama, Cincy and Ohio state should be your top four. Um, whatever order you want to put them in doesn't really matter to me. I think you put Michigan behind Ohio state. Um, and that'll play itself out between the two next weekend. You have Notre Dame, uh, who's a one loss team should be at number six. Oklahoma state is a two loss team should be seven Baylor, eight Ole Miss, nine Oklahoma, 10, um who they're one loss team but like again they're like oregon where they're just kind of a paper tiger um michigan state at 11 byu 12 texas a&m 13 utah 14 and oregon 15 and i think that oregon should be 15 again because that win against ohio state isn't as strong as you'd think and trevor go ahead and read off those stats yeah so just a couple things that that jump out so ohio state outgained Oregon by 107 yards. Uh, they also owned time of possession by a minute. Um, Oregon did force one turnover, um, which I guess proved to be the biggest uh, point in the game. But Ohio State also ran 12 more plays and punted four less times and lost 35 to 28. I mean, listen, like, 505 total yards for Oregon, 612 of which 484 were through the air for Ohio State. Um, I mean, Wait, how many yards did Oregon pass? 263 or 236. How bad do you have to be? How bad does your secondary have to be to give up 236 passing yards to Oregon? <laughs> don't, I don't know. The only other stat outside of the turnovers that jumps out for Oregon in Oregon's favor. And I, I mean, really the only one is that they average 7.1 yards a carry. 
But yeah. that's yeah, Ohio State remember, dominates every other stat line. If I remember correctly, it was just like a couple of big runs were like what gave Oregon the you know a couple of scoring plays and the advantage over Ohio State. Yeah, like so it was like, one of those games where it was Ohio State was clearly the better team, but it was just like a small handful of plays that really gave yeah. Oregon the advantage. Well, it was the, an early, early season fluke, right? Well, let yeah. me let me point this out too. So, um, Verdell was the big difference maker for Oregon. Uh, he is now out for this. Oh well, it says he's active, but I know he's been injured. He did not play versus Utah, did he? He hasn't played since. Yeah, Stanford. And I think that's the game he went out. Yeah. Either way. I mean, like BYU should jump Oregon and Michigan State and Wake Forest. Right? Like they should. Like there's not – like you can't make an argument of, well, Oregon's a more deserving team than BYU right now because they have the same amount of losses and Oregon's losses are worse. Right. So like, let's, I mean, let's look at, look at the, uh, like, if you look at the actual resumes, Wake Forest has two losses, um, no good wins. I, do they have a top 25 win? Um, I think I they think, have like one did they beat, decent did they beat win. NC State? Let me see who it was. Give me a second. I don't know who you are. They, oh, you can update my information. Yeah, they beat, they beat, well, sorry, boys crack. They beat a ranked North Carolina State. And the next best is Virginia. Yeah. Right. So like you have one ranked win, your two losses are both to unranked teams in Clemson and North Carolina. And both of those aren't just like unranked. They're like 500 ranked. And I'm pretty sure they got beaten pretty soundly in both. At least Clemson kind of took them to the woodshed. So like, regardless, I think on that strength of resume, when you compare it to BYU's who has a top 25 win, soon to be a top 15 win over Utah. Um, they have five wins over teams with winning records. There's five and one against power five teams. Um, and their two losses are to a top 10 team and uh, seven and four Boise state. Um, who's much better than the record indicates. So like you compare wake forest to BYU wake forest falls. Um, Michigan state. You can't be down by 50 at halftime and keep staying in the top. Like no, 12. <laughs> no. And, and like in their resume, again, pretty similar to BYU's. They have a very impressive win over Michigan, but like a very oh, unimpressive loss to Purdue and like maybe the worst loss of the season to Ohio State. A thrashing. Yeah. And so other like, than that, their best win, I mean, other than the Michigan game, their best wins probably Miami, who again... <laughs> Not very good. Like they have one really good win against Michigan, like tip of the cap to them. Like that's a very good win. But other than that, like it's Rutgers, Western Kentucky, Nebraska, Miami, Youngstown State, Northwestern. None of which have winning records. So like, again, BYU just purely on strength of resume, BYU probably should be higher. Um, Then you have Oregon who we, we just went through their resume. Yes, they beat Ohio State, which is a great win, but you also had the most embarrassing loss of the season to Stanford, who is three and eight currently. Um, you So you, you lose to them. You struggle against pretty much every other team you play. And then Utah takes you behind the woodshed. So like on primetime ABC on primetime ABC. So with your, with your playoff hopes in the balance, with like if you're not going to come out with some urgency in that game, you're just not a good team. Yeah. And so th- there's no way that a week after, like literally four days after that happens, that Oregon should be ranked 
in, in front of Utah. Like Utah has had a, it kills me to say that they've had a great season. Like they're, they're eight and three currently. Um, they have a very similar resume to BYU where they have, again, they have a ranked win. They have a mountain West conference loss. Um, they have a, a top 15 loss, but they also have that unranked loss to Oregon state, which really hurts. Um, so at the end of the day, like, yeah, Utah's playing good football right now, but I don't think that's enough to jump BYU. I just don't. Like, especially because BYU has a better resume, fewer losses, and the head-to-head in on, on their belt. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, the key here, though, is that we're using logic and factual information and not just this P5 bias that the committee uses. Like, should BYU stay ahead of Utah? I think they will regardless. Should BYU jump Wake Forest? Yes, I think they will. Should BYU jump Michigan State and Oregon? Both yes to those, but that's where I don't know because it's the playoff committee. Like the playoff committee has been so ridiculous week in and week out with these rankings for the last, you know, seven years that I, you know, it it makes all the sense in the world that BYU should jump those two teams and the resume is there of why BYU should jump those two teams. And it's pretty clear and obvious, I think, to, you know, most onlookers. And yet it's Gary Barta and it's the College Football Playoff Committee. And they're ranking Cincinnati at six, despite being undefeated with a road win against Notre Dame. And they're ranking Michigan ahead of Michigan State, you know, five days after Michigan State beat Michigan. And, you know, all these things. And Gary Barta gets on national television and, you know, lies through his teeth and spews nonsense and, it's just that the habit of this committee is that Oregon will drop like four spots because it's Oregon and it's a big brand and they've got the Nike money and, you know, Oh, well they lost to Utah. Who's another, you know, P five team. Like that's the logic that Gary Barda is going to try to use to slither his way into keeping (laughs) Oregon into the top 10. And he's going to talk about how, yes, Michigan state had a tough loss to Ohio state, but that's a road loss at Ohio state. Who's one of the best teams in the country. We can't drop them that far. Ignore You don't look behind the curtain at the loss to Purdue two weeks ago, you know, and don't look at the score at halftime of the game against Ohio state. Like these these people that we're dealing with aren't like us. They don't use facts and logic and reason <laughs> when they're coming up with these rankings. We are not yeah, the no, same. I'm, and that's no, the I, part that is so discouraging. Yeah. And so at this point, I'm expecting BYU to move up one spot. I think I don't think there's a rational argument for keeping Wake Forest above BYU. That one that one should be a foregone conclusion. Like they were so, so close th- in the I rankings think, already. I think BYU moves up a spot with that. Um I, I mean, the question here is what is, what does the committee do with Oregon and Michigan state? And like Hunter's absolutely right at this point, like who knows, like there is, there is no consistent logic, at least with like the eight people you can follow. Like that's why BYU shouldn't have kneeled the ball, the two yard line is because they needed every style point they could to not give the committee any reason to keep Oregon and Michigan state ahead of them in the rankings. Like BYU needed to leave no doubt that they deserve to jump those two teams because when you leave it up to the biasness of this college football playoff committee, they're going to keep the Oregons and the Michigan States ahead of the BYUs for whatever reason they can. And that's why I think it's so frustrating for myself. And I think a lot of other BYU fans, when they look at the final score of the Georgia Southern game is because BYU should have beaten them by more. BYU should have, you know, not kneeled the ball 
at the two yard line and they should have punched it in for the last touchdown because they need all the help that they can get and they need to do themselves as many favors as they can so that they can jump these other teams that are ahead of them. And, you know, like I said earlier, a shot at history of being the first BYU team to make a New Year's Six Bowl game. Like that's right. something, you know, here we are 25 years after the Cotton the Cotton Bowl celebrating that team and bringing them back to Lavelle Road Stadium and having them on the field at halftime. Like though, that's what's at stake for this BYU football team. And that's why it's so frustrating that they couldn't, you know, dominate on the scoreboard against Georgia Southern. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I, I hear you for sure. I, the, the thing that I am putting a faint glimmer of faith in is that the committee has actually been very kind to BYU so far this season. Like I, I personally was not expecting BYU to be in the top 15 um, at, at this point um, or like when, when the rankings were revealed that it was 15, I think 13 is a very fair, if not very favorable ranking for BYU is it not given given what they've been through this year I think 12 I think 12 is right right Right. and so yeah so I I think there's a very real possibility that that happens I think that you jump Wake Forest um and then we see what they do with Oregon and uh I mean you see what the, the question is is for me the question of what they do with Oregon depends on what they do with Utah because again like there's no you can't I, I say this, but again, we're talking about the committee here. I There's no way that you can put Oregon ahead of Utah after what Utah did to Oregon. You just can't. They like, will, though. Like Utah's, Utah's going to come in at 16 or 15, and Oregon's going to come at come in at like 11. Like, I agree with you. Like, that was a thrashing. And there's no way that after that you can rank Oregon ahead of them. But – there's no way that Oregon drops from three to like 18. And there's no I, way that Utah jumps from 23 to 10. I like those are just, too, I, that's too big of a drop and too much of a jump. I think like, I mean, we'll see. I don't think it's, I don't think it would be unfair for Oregon to drop 12 spots. Like I think, I think dropping to like 18 or 19 would be too much, but like to put Oregon in the same stratosphere as like a Texas A&M, or uh, like to, to put them in the same stratosphere of like, uh, hold on, let me make sure I got this right. Um, just like in, the, in that same stratosphere as like the three loss SEC teams and Big Ten teams, I don't think that's a stretch. I, again, I agree, like factually and logically, <laughs> yes. But that involves Oregon dropping 12 spots and Utah jumping like nine or 10 spots. Which I, I think, but again, Utah jumping nine spots doesn't seem unreasonable to me. Like they jumped Purdue from out of the rankings to 19 after one win. Um, but that's like, that's essentially a six spot jump. And Michigan State was, Michigan State was a top, you know, 17, three, seven yeah, team at the team. time. But I mean, they were a top three team at the time. And then Utah beat a top three team as well by more. Yeah. So... I, and Purdue jumped six spots. But and then, then the other thing, like so it again, it, it all depends on where you, the committee wants to put Utah. But like, I don't think Utah has a better resume than Texas A&M does. So I don't think like Texas A&M currently is behind BYU. They didn't have a, uh, I mean, they played an FCS team. So like, I don't think that's enough to jump BYU after beating an FCS team. Um, but like, I, I don't know. 
I, I think we should move on because we're talking in circles. But like at the end of the day, we know what it we think it should be, but what happens knows who knows with, with this with this committee. So um BYU's got one more chance to to strengthen the resume this week um against USC. That is a brand name who I think that the committee will recognize that they're they're definitely down this year. They're five and six. Uh or no four and six. Uh, four and six. They, yeah they they uh they they got blown out by UCLA over the weekend. Um not just blown out but like gave sixty two points to US uh to UCLA uh, who I don't particularly think is a, is an explosive offense, but um, USC certainly made him look that way. Um, but it's it's a name that the committee will recognize is more talented than BYU, and so if BYU yeah. can put on a show against USC, I think that it will undo any problems that that BYU created for themselves this last weekend. Yeah, I mean. Uh... And BYU needs to do the world a favor and make sure that USC can't go bowling, right? And give them that seventh yeah. loss is is what we're really looking for here. But I mean, agreed. Again, like this is a committee that's not they're not gonna watch all the games. They're gonna look at box scores and uh final scores, and you know, they claim they look at the statistics, but who knows? Uh so this this is indeed a game that I think you know carries some weight for BYU and especially for the committee, because at the f- end of the day, they can look at it and say, you know, BYU went six and zero against the PAC 12 this season, and, and, you know, and closing it out with a 24 point victory over USC or whatever it is on the road. Right. Like that, that is, can be the nail, the final nail for BYU to really cement their, um, their resume to the committee. Let me paint a picture here. So, We've kind of harped on Kalani kneeling at the two-yard line to finish this last game. I doubt he listens to this podcast, but maybe a player does or, I don't know, an assistant coach. Mason does. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, so Mason, tell Kalani this, okay? We need to have a game against USC that obviously doesn't have quite the same stakes, but it needs to look, in my opinion, like to give ourselves the best shot, it needs to look like Utah versus Oregon, a team that clearly wanted it more than the other and just a drubbing. And here are the selling points, okay? You're worried about creating a vision of poor sportsmanship for the team. The only people there at that game are going to be BYU fans. So we always we already keep you guys on a high pedestal we're going to be fine. All right. So you don't have to worry about that. There's not going to be any USC fans there because they've already given up. I think there's like lower bowl tickets for like 25 bucks. Like, don't worry about that. It's an interim head coach. He's not going to be there next year. So any bad blood between you and him, it's not going to matter because they're going to bring in a new guy anyway. Run up the score. Like, leave no doubt. There's no one, there's not going to be anyone left on that coaching staff or any of those players that are going to care if we put up a few extra points. Show Jackson Dart what he's missing out on. That's what I'm saying. Like, there, I mean, Jackson Dart's not going to have an arm by the time he's done with his sophomore season if USC continues to make him throw 50 times a game. And five of those are going to be completed passes to Malik Moore. <laughs> I, yeah. Go ahead, Chuck. Well, I was just going to say, I know Malik said earlier today that because him and Jacob Robinson are tied uh, in interceptions as interception leaders right now, that 
they're kind of having a little bit of a healthy competition against USC. So would love to see that, you know, extend to, you know, one of them gets two and the other one gets one or see where that goes. I would, I would hate to see a repeat of the defensive performance in 2019 where BYU picked off uh, a freshman quarterback four times. Um. No, I, it, I mean, at the end of the day, like it's honestly pretty similar. Uh, Jackson Dart is a true freshman uh, from Corner Canyon High. Like for those of you who's, guys who aren't familiar with USC's situation, um, they're starting a freshman quarterback. Uh, his number so far, 60% completion percentage, 7.1 yards an attempt, seven touchdowns, five picks, um, and a 130 quarterback rating, which isn't bad for Dart. But like he's a freshman. He's, he's a gunslinger. Um, he's definitely in the mold of Zach Wilson, very similar type of player um, where he'll run on you. Not, he's not particularly fast or athletic, but he'll definitely run and he slings it all over the field um, even to his detriment. So like he'll, he'll create big plays. Um, but at the end of the day, like I think he's going to turn the ball over uh, quite a bit. Like last week, I think he had a, a touchdown and two picks. Yep. So uh, the, the and they're, they're missing Drake London, who is far and away the best receiver in college football, I think. Uh, not named Puka Nakua. <laughs> not named Puka Nakua. Um, but like this, this USC team is very depleted. And quite frankly, it seems like they've given up, particularly on defense. Um, like this defense is bad, uh, dreadfully bad. Like Virginia defense, bad. Um, they give up... Uh, I want to make sure I get this right. They give up 6.4 yards per play, which is 113th in the country. And Virginia gives up 6.7 yards per play, which is 119th in the country. And BYU is seventh in the country um, at 6.6 yards per play. So this feels like a game where BYU is going to get whatever it wants on offense. I, I mean, I hesitate to say that, but like, what does USC have to play for at this point? Like if they're not going to get up, for for their biggest rival in UCLA, what are they like? What are they going to feel when they walk out into a half-empty coliseum and the half that is full is BYU fans? That's tough. They're going to be ready to go to the beach. So I I and I, I don't want to be disrespectful to USC. Like I don't think this is necessarily going to be a blowout. I think USC obviously has extremely talented players. Um, this is the same USC team that we were scared of at the beginning of the season. They just underperform like they always do. Um, th- but the question is, is like, what were the, what were their, what will their motivation be like? It's like Washington state where like they just lost their head coach and it was up in the air of like, will they get up for this game or will they just roll over and quit? And that's kind of the question for me now is like, is this USC team, are they really pushing for a bowl game that hard? Are they going to come off with the chip off their shoulder after a rivalry blowout and say like, okay, no, we're going to assert our dominance and get revenge for 2019. I don't think so personally, but I I think that's just because that's what we've seen from this USC team all year that they'll underperform, that they overpromise and underdeliver in in every way, shape and form. So, uh, yeah, I, this, this looks like a game on paper that BYU should win by 10 plus. Well, let's hear it. Let's hear the hot takes and the the uh, score predictions. So, my hot take that is that BYU is going to force three turnovers. Um, I, I think that's a good number. I think uh, Jacob Robinson and Malik Moore each have a pick a piece. 
Um, and then one of the linebackers get one as well as BYU goes with the, with a pretty drop eight heavy scheme. Um, I, I think that USC is definitely going to be able to move the ball. Um, the, it, it could, I don't think it'll be Virginia like, because I don't think USC's offense is as good as Virginia's, but I think that this BYU offense will have things figured out. This is a game that BYU is definitely going to get up for, especially on offense. The line, uh, we're, we're going to see, uh, Campbell Barrington back after Brayton Kime uh, filled in for him. So the offensive line should be in order. Um, so I think this is a game that BYU can control the ball, um, like they, like they've done all season. Um, and wins this one. Let's go 42 to 24. All right. Um, I'll go with mine. I'm, I'm getting warmer with my hot takes guys. They're not freezing cold anymore. Uh, last week said that Keanu Hill would have 50 yards and a touchdown. He actually had, I believe it was 63, 64 yards receiving, uh, was unable to see the end zone, but, but we're getting close. We're in the, we're in the ballpark now. So, uh, for this one, I am going to step out on a limb and say that Caleb Hayes is going to get his first pick of the season against USC, uh, a team that he's played before since he is a transfer from Oregon state. Um, and I believe the final score, I'm going to go along the same lines as Joe. Uh, I'm going to say 45 to 28. Um, well, I feel good about my hot take considering both of you guys, uh, went a little bit lower than I expected on your score prediction. My hot take is that BYU offense is going to break 50. Again, this is, this is a USC defense that gave up what 45 to Stanford, uh, gave up, you know, 66 to UCLA. Like this is just, this is just not a good USC defense. They just got their teeth kicked in by their crosstown rival at home. I think Trevor is right. They're going to come out to a coliseum that's going to be majority BYU fans. It's going to be two days after Thanksgiving, and they're just they're going to want to be done, just done with the season, right? Like they, they want to get on uh, to Christmas and to be hanging out at the beach uh, in sunny Southern California. And I think the BYU offense, uh, I'm banking on the fact that Georgia Southern was a look ahead game. And they really had their sights set on this USC matchup. And I think the Nakua brothers ha- have fantastic games. I think Tyler Algier punches it in a couple times. Um, give me an Isaac Rex touchdown as well. Uh, I think this BYU offense breaks 50. And my final score prediction is going to be 52 to 20. Wow. You went way higher than I thought. I thought when you were <laughs> looking at me funny, I thought that was because I went too high on the score prediction. But. Uh, Again, like I think I said it before we started recording, like I was more nervous before the Utah State game than I am for this game because Utah State hadn't quit on their coach and and hadn't you know thrown in the towel. Like this is a yeah. USC team that just they don't care to be out there anymore. And this is a BYU team that's playing for something and playing for something special. Um, and so I think that I think BYU gets the job done. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I, I think this is a game where if, if BYU does what they've done all season, where they take care of the ball, if BYU has zero turnovers in this game and they force one, I think BYU wins this one, wins this one by at like 10 plus. So, uh, and there's no reason to believe that 
that won't be the case because seven out of uh, the 11 games, BYU hasn't had a turnover. So fun fact for you. Um, with that, uh, we wanted to, to give some shout outs out uh, to kind of close the show. It was a great, great, great weekend in, in BYU sports. Incredible. Um, like I, I talked to my brother uh, over the weekend. Um, he's a, he's a pretty big, uh, he's a pretty big BYU fan himself. And he was just like, man, like what a, what a fun time to be a fan. And I was like, yeah, like no better time to start a podcast called the, the BYU hype train. Uh, cause lately all BYU does is win. Um, but, uh, to, to just kind of give you a rundown of all the things that, that BYU did this week, um, we're just going to go through this in list fashion. Um, and let's just kind of get to it. Uh, Connor Mance uh, was the first back-to-back uh, men's cross-country national title winner uh, since 2014-2015. Dude looks like a, a future Olympian um, and runs a 10K faster than I can run a 5K. So uh, <laughs> shout out to him for that. Probably faster than a 100 meter. <laughs> at this point, maybe, yeah. Yeah, especially <laughs> when I pull my hamstring at the 75-yard mark. <laughs> um, so the women... Uh, had an individual national title winner this year as well in Whitney Orton, who is nicer in person than she is good on the track. So if anyone deserved to win the national championship, it was her. Uh, The girls finished second um, for back-to-back years, finishing as a podium team, uh, men's and women's cross country, just going ballistic lately. Uh, also, shout out to BYU women's volleyball and one of my good friends, Kenzie Korber, who is uh, one of the players on this BYU women's volleyball team, transferred from Utah. Shout out to Kenzie. Uh, they clinched the uh, West Coast Conference Conference Championship. Uh, so I know they're, I think they're ranked fourth in the country, looking to do some damage in the, in the tournament and hopefully go for that national title. Uh, also vying for a national title is the women's soccer team who moved on to the elite Eight after beating number one Virginia this weekend, uh, thanks to a goal from Cameron Tucker in the 46th minute to give them a 1-0 victory over Virginia. Uh, as we talked about at length on the podcast, uh, football obviously beats uh, Georgia Southern um, on, on the road. Uh, I, I move that we never play a Sunbelt team ever again because the only thing that uh, that gives me more heartburn than playing at a Sunbelt stadium is the burritos thrown at the, the BYU sideline. Were they carne asada, chicken, bean? Do we, do we I heard vegetarian. I heard oh, vegetarian. And if that's the case, Freaking cowards. Freaking cowards. That's all I got to say. Classic Sunbelt and their vegetarian burritos. Maybe they would have hit somebody if they had some protein in them. Um, uh, I think... Okay, so we'll also talk about this one. Women's basketball beat Boise State this week. I also believe that they beat, and I think handed it to Arizona State as well. So yeah. everybody at BYU is beating the Pac-12 right now. Undefeated in Pac-12 across all sports, baby. You know who else is undefeated? The BYU men's basketball team who defeated, what was it, Central Methodist? Yeah, Central Methodist. I knew it was something Methodist. I didn't know what the C was before. Um I broke 90 points. I think Central Methodist is the first team to break 60 on BYU this year. But, uh, I mean, we had guys coming off the bench who were knocking down threes, uh, 4-0. and We'll see where they come in. Are they? Did the basketball rankings drop? Yeah, 18th. 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 A little lower than number one, which is where I had had them pegged <laughs> in my 
a very unofficial ranking, but nevertheless undefeated. Uh, also, shout out to all these sports. Uh, I think BYU right now, currently this season, has six teams in the top 20 um, in, in their respective sports. So like, And then women's basketball is, is on the come up as well. So crazy, crazy stuff. Um, we'll pivot now to, uh, to one that's actually not an NCAA sport and one that's not ever talked about. Um, we have a men's soccer team who may be the most dominant team on campus. Um, they played, they were, they finished the season at 17, 0 and one. Um, they scored 64 goals in 17 games. Uh, they, they currently play in a conference with, uh, Utah state, UVU, Weber state and Boise state, um, who don't necessarily have good teams. So they don't really get the best competition until they get to nationals. Um, and BYU coasted through nationals. Um, they've won 10, na- they've won 10 national titles. Um, they've won three out of the last four, uh, capped off on Saturday with, uh, with a win over Texas. Um, horns down, well, horns down, baby. Big 12, horns Big down, 12 baby. members already. Taysom Hill shout out. You, you crippled the Texas athletic department, uh, with, with one fateful jump. Um, but like this, the, the, the men's soccer team is awesome. Like, May, like uh, Eli Homestead led with 15 goals on the season in 18 games. Like that is so bonkers cool. Um, so I can't even do that. <laughs> yeah, no. I so shout out, shout out to him for that. Um, they are not an NCAA team, which means they don't have scholarships. Uh, they're they're purely extramural. Um, they're under a completely different department than the athletic department. So also means um, they're not subject to nine game suspensions and poor playoff rankings. That is true. Um, so. Fill the stands. Um, they have a they have a spring season, um, so keep an eye out for that. They have a spring season that's mostly against uh, teams locally. They had thirty five hundred people um, against Utah for uh, for the first game, um, but really uh, they they reached out to me and like they just they just want support. They want people to uh, um, to support them like they would an NCAA sport, and quite frankly, they deserve it. Um, go follow their pages. That is, uh, I, I want to make sure I get this right. Um, so forgive me for, for taking a second. That's at BYU soccer on Twitter um, and Instagram. So, so please go give them a follow if you feel so inclined um, and go support the, one of the best teams on campus, no scholarships, just championships, BYU men's soccer. Love that. Speaking of going and supporting, I apologize. I forgot to mention this earlier. Our elite eight women's soccer team led by Michaela Coulahan will actually be at Southfield for this elite eight matchup against South Carolina on Saturday at 5 PM. I'm sure tickets are a hot commodity, but don't assume go look and get your butts in seats and let's get these girls to the final four. Fantastic. And then uh, BYU and BYU uh, basketball and football both have games against the PAC 12 this weekend. Uh, so that's got to make you feel pretty good. Uh, BYU plays Utah on Saturday at uh, seven. So uh, I'd, I'd like I'm going to the game, and quite frankly, I would love to see uh, more BYU fans in attendance. Um, and I would then then Utah fans. I think that's a that's a very real possibility. So go wear blue um, and come sit next to me, and I'll have the the football game on uh, stream when it when it kicks off an hour later at eight thirty. So there you go. Lastly on that list, subscribe. There's the to-do list. And and if for BYU listeners, we joked about it at the beginning. I want to do a little giveaway here for BYU listeners who are, have reached this point in the podcast. If you tweet at the BYU hype train, 
with a key phrase. What should the phrase be, Trevor? Built for life. No free ads. No free ads. If you no tweet, tweet no, no free ads. No free ads. I love it. At the BYU Hype Train Twitter account, and you are following the BYU Hype Train Twitter account, I will choose one of you, and I will give you two tickets to BYU versus Texas Southern this Wednesday night in basketball. Let's go. And the tickets are right next to me. So, like, And you, you are sitting right next to Joe. Which, so which really, again, which really is is more of a which is more of an incentive than the free tickets if you think about it. It's true. You don't have to pay to sit next to Joe Wheat. There are few that can say that they did not have to pay to sit next to Joe Wheat. So again, tweet no free ads at the BYU Hype Train on Twitter, and you That's must be following better. the BYU Hype Train Twitter account. And I will choose one person and send you two tickets to BYU Texas Southern men's hoops this wednesday so go subscribe go follow on twitter do all that good stuff could win some basketball tickets gotta love it uh we 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 gave you an extra long show this week we wanted to give you guys enough content to uh to make up for us missing both uh the the post game podcast and the the preview for saturday um we'll miss you guys happy thanksgiving to everybody uh please hug your friends hug your family uh let someone know that you're grateful for them uh, because that's, that's really what matters. That's what's most important in the world. Um, and let's cheer on our Cougars to victory and everything because BYU is in everything school at this point. So go Cougs. We'll talk to you guys in a couple of days.